everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Torque Talk Radio. This will make episode number five, and as always, I am joined by Mr. Brock. Hello, sir. Hey. All right, so tonight, before we get started, I do want to apologize to everyone. Uh, this past week has been a bit of a hell for me. Uh, I've been uh, doing exams and stuff with uh, the end of school and with the whole coronavirus situation, it just made everything even more hectic with trying to figure all that out. But we are done. Everything's good. And we are going to continue uh, resuming our normal at least once a week. Um, I think we're still going to try and do twice a week, but we just haven't had a chance to do that. So, um, But definitely we're going to get this one out um, as quickly as possible and then get us back on that track. Um, as far as what we want to talk about tonight, Brock brought up both of these points or both of these topics and i really really like them um so it's it's too i wouldn't say they're totally different but they're definitely from different uh parts of the uh i guess you could say different parts of the uh the the, the industry um the first one that we were really want to touch base on is the corvette's little brother the camaro um, and address some of the rumors that we've heard, some of the theories we've heard uh, about where, being that the Corvette has gone to mid-engine, it, it, it's kind of in its own echelon now, where does that put the Camaro, and, and what does it do with that? So uh, we'll definitely go into some details with that, and then we want to take a look at the Japanese market and all of the, um, with the, the recent legislation, I say recent, within like the, the past five years, uh, the legislation with the 25-year law and how things are being brought over now and how that has affected the market in general and uh, some of the similarities that I see in compared to the 80s and 90s gray market uh, situation that arose uh, from that time. So uh, with that being said, I guess we'll go ahead and jump into our first topic, uh, being the Camaro. And I'll let you kind of explain how you explained it to me and why you brought it up. So you go ahead and start. Okay. Well, before I start, I just want to apologize if anybody hears anything in the background. I have a uh, almost four-month-old German Shepherd puppy, and he's going to do puppy things. So uh, there might be some noise. But anyway, we're on a podcast, so let's get this started. Um, right. Basically, my what I have said... Is and this is a long term, like I explained it to Sam. This is a very long term, I think, situation. The cor the Camaro has always kind of fallen in the footsteps of the Corvette. So now you're gonna see the Corvette is now mid engine. So the Camaro was always held back a slight amount to not over like not to impede in the corvette's performance and i'm sure you agree with that sam yeah like they could have made the camaro a lot faster and yeah i mean if it's, if they were it's, allowed to keep the camaro its own independent thing it definitely could have become much bigger but yes. being that it is supposed to be like the corvette's little brother the Corvette was always just a little bit better or a little bit nicer or a little bit more luxurious or whatever. Exactly. Um, but the question is, is so I kind of view this as the Camaro's 
impending future, I guess, would be a better way to explain it. So I'm trying to look at it as the next five to ten years, what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it really depends on the Corvette. So now this is I, I this is a new thought of mine, Sam, that I haven't shared with you. But oh, okay. I, just reali- I just realized that um, yesterday – I was actually thinking about this topic yesterday – was that now – that the Corvette is an engine. You are about to train a whole generation of people of an affordable mid-engine car. So you're about to drastically change the way people perceive a fifty thousand or like uh, okay, we'll we'll say use C8s in about five years. Like a fifty thousand dollar sports car is going to be available. Mm-hmm. So you're about to have all these people that are about to get a taste of what a mid-engine performance is for a very cheap amount of money and a relatively good buy because it's not like you're buying an old exotic that is wore out because it's 20 years old. You're right. buying a five-year-old car. So you're about. So what do you do with the Camaro? The question is, do you keep it front end? Do you keep the same rear-wheel drive, front-engine, manual option around? Or what do you do? Do you go to the next step? Well, GM's always been known for they put everything in anything, just to more of the cheapen the cost. But my thought is, are you training a customer base to want this, to want a mid-engine, to want a sports car that drives like that? Are you training them to make this have to happen because now I look at it as are you going to keep the Corvette as the affordable one or are you going to try and transition the Corvette into your staple car that costs maybe a minimum of seventy dollars to $80,000 and now you need a new entry level. So this is where the Camaro comes in. Now – Let's say five years, which will be probably through the next generation of the Camaro. So it'll probably be uh, – we're on the sixth gen technically, right? Yeah. Isn't that the alpha platform? Yep. So say the eighth gen, eighth gen Camaro. So what do you do? do you, I strongly believe that the eighth gen Camaro is going to be a mid-engine entry-level sports car. The reason why I'm saying this is because I think – that now that you're training these people to get this performance level, I think you're going to see Ford react to it. I think you're going to see, well, we've already heard rumors that the MR2 is coming back. So you got Toyota kind of throwing their hat in there. If they do an affordable sports car that is mid-engine, you, you've got Toyota kind of back in there. It's just, it's going to be interesting. I really think you're going to see Ford do something, whether it's going to be with the Mustang or it's going to be something new. I think you're going to see Ford do something other than the GT because the GT is just this crazy car that costs way too much. Um, I just, I don't know. I think the Camaro is going to follow in the footsteps of the Corvette just like it always has. It's going to take a while, yes. I would say five to ten years. But I think you're going to see a mid-engine entry level that is going to be three to two different engine options you're going to maybe see a four-cylinder manager you're going to maybe see a v6 man engine and then you're going to see a v8 naturally aspirated and then you're going to see the corvette transition into more of a higher end car that starts at let's say eighty thousand dollars and maybe has a twin turbo v8 in it and that's all it is because the Corvette at this point should be on its ninth or 10th generation. So you're going to have a lot more 
work put into that mid-engine chassis. So realistically, the Camaro is probably just going to be the redone C8, if that makes any sense. Right. Because that's what, that's what they've always done. Like the suspension, the the engine, the transmission, even, granted it's not a transaxle, but the, still the T56 and the TR66 I were from the Corvette and just transitioned down. Right. It wasn't. But that is just my opinion. Right. Um, but now you can go ahead and react to what that is because I basically texted that to you the other day. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, I, and I, I've been kind of holding back my opinion as well because I didn't want us to uh, water it down until we actually had a time to really hash it out. But I am going to say I disagree completely. Um, okay. And the reason I say that is because I, I look at it this way. There's two avenues that I kind of want to approach this from and it gets into conspiracy theory that i've heard from the corvette camp uh i have heard and i don't know how true this is but i have heard that corvette might be going the way of srt and becoming its own yeah, brand. That for a long time. Um, and, I, and I, I was gonna say and i and i know you and i both talked about that you've heard of that as well so if corvette does that and why it pertains to the camaro is what are the chances that if Corvette becomes a brand, they're going to introduce one or two other models to accompany the C8 and then probably five to seven years from now, the C9, um, in the form of a front mid-engine, basically GT Grand Tour car, as well as maybe take a page out of Lamborghini, Ferrari, Aston Martin, Porsche, take a page out of their book and introduce an SUV. I really, I really that is I also really think an SUV is coming. That's just my opinion. Right. Like it, it would just kind of as far as all the competition that that is out there. Yeah, the C8 supposed to go against the Huracan, but the Huracan has a brother that's called the Urus, which is an SUV. Which... So it would make sense for Corvette to brand that way. The reason – here, let me yeah. finish because I, I want to make sure I make okay. the point. Um, in order for that to work, Corvette would obviously have to be a brand. And if they did that, it would open up the door for Corvette to still allow a GT car to exist. And the reason I believe that is a possibility is when they built the Bowling Green plant they did a major 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 remodeling as well as they expanded almost two times over but even with the production of the c8 they're only using from what i've heard about half to three quarters of the floor space for production so what is that other space for now you could argue maybe that's that cadillac that we've talked about and they're going to open up that line soon there's also a rumor that maybe they're going to move Camaro production to that same plant, which kind of falls in your well, theory. Um, I have I have heard that before, but my theory is if the Corvette is going to get a Grand Tourer, or even if it doesn't, I don't think the Camaro has the identity to fill that shoe. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, like it's it, the, the Camaro doesn't exist because it follows the footsteps 
and gets the the hand-me-downs from the Corvette. I do truly believe that Camaro has always meant to be its own thing, and it just so happens that it gets all the technology from the Corvette. But by no means is it a hand-me-down Corvette. Um, And this is coming from a guy who's had a fourth gen. I mean, technically it was a Firebird, but same, same thing. Um, as well as a 6th gen, and played in plenty of 5th gens, you get in the similar year, uh, so like the same era Corvette, and it does not feel the same. Like, yeah, the suspension's probably similar in design, but by no means is it the, the, the same geometry. The engine, yeah, they're, let's say the 5th gen is an LS3, and the uh, C6 is an LS3, but they are... They do not react the same. So my theory is that the Camaro is going to kind of fill that Grand Tourer, two-door, executive coupe kind of position. Um, It is going to play the true role that it was meant to play like the Mustang plays. Because the Mustang, there's no halo car. At Ford, other than the GT, but that's so astronomically one of a kind, blah blah blah, whatever adjective you want to put here. It is not on the same level as the Corvette as far as what the GT represents for Ford Motor Company. No. So the must, so the Mustang carries a lot more weight that the Camaro doesn't have to carry because it has the Corvette. So, my theory is, as the Corvette departs its uh, traditional position as a high-end sports coupe, I think the Camaro is going to start stepping into that role. And you already kind of see that, because you see the ZR or the, the ZL1 as well as the ZL1 1LE, or in the 6th generation, or the 5th generation, it would have been the Z28. You're getting Camaros that are almost $80,000 brand new. And they're starting to pick up a position of supercar territory. So, regardless if the Corvette gets that Grand Tourer, now if they do, this kind of like kind of spits on my theory a little bit. Because um, it kind of takes away that whole like upper echelon position. But I do think... Camaro is meant to be Chevrolet's sports Mm -hmm. car, Um, especially since now that Corvette is becoming Chevrolet's supercar. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the Camaro is always meant to be, I I, I don't want to say the poor man's sports car because it's not. I mean, it's not a cheap knockoff sports car. It's definitely a perfect machine it's but it's always meant to be like middle class blue collar uh more obtainable Mm -hmm. where the corvette was oh your upper management you've made it in your career camaro is you're making it in your career you're an astronaut right (laughs) (laughs) oh man um but yeah, no, so I, I, I'm really interested to see what it does. Now, I will bring this up, too. We could both be 100% wrong. Oh, I agree. 
because because I have heard that Cor Camaro might not be getting renewed in 2023. I think is when they said that the that. new generation. I've heard that too. Yeah, when the new generation theoretically is coming out because the the sales have slumped. And I'm thinking to myself, well, yeah, because they were the new hotness and now their luster has dissipated because you can get a vet for less than 80 grand. So the, the Corvette luster is just kind of worn off a little bit. But I do believe that GM has a card up their sleeve. Mm -hmm. And I'd really, really like to see, because GM, they're missing something that goes, and this goes beyond the Camaro, but they are missing something right now that would be kind of important on the industry. They don't have a mid-level executive sedan. Um... They got rid of the Impala. The Impala is no more. And the Cadillacs are expensive. They, they, they're like Mercedes level expensive now. So there is a market that has formed that is actually very strong where you have these luxury sedans that are from less than luxury companies. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at your G70 uh, the, the, the Genesis answer to the three series, you've got your, uh, next Mazda six, which Mazda has already confirmed that they are going to be going to a rear wheel drive, more luxurious platform with a straight six turbo. Wouldn't it, you've got your, uh, your Supra. <laughs> That's my, my right, joke is yeah. like, what if Mazda makes a better, a better Supra replacement? Then, then, uh, then we, then, then Toyota needs to kick BMW out the door and I'm go curi- hang I'm, out with I'm Mazda. I'm really curious though. Like, <laughs> it's going to be an inline six rear wheel drive sedan, right? Right. So, like, that's a different animal. You know what I mean? Like, we, like, I, I don't think we've seen anything quite like this in a while. It's kind of, it's right. kind of like the- a, it's like a GTS four, uh, Skyline four door inline six turbo that's pretty rear wheel drive that's basically what right 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 right. and that's why i'm saying there's a resurgence in this this class this this market because you think about it infinity they've had the the g37 slash the g what is it called the q50 now uh Um, yeah they i think they renamed it the q50 but doesn't it right they all have the which that's a that's a v6 but it's still it's a, a six cylinder uh, performance well, it's, it, sedan. It's the uh, VQ30 with the twin turbo, like the three point. Right. It's it's literally the test bed for the new the new 400 ZX or whatever they're gonna call it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and I and I get that. I'm just saying that that is that market. Oh, yeah. That's that. I agree. We're not Mercedes. We're not Audi. Well, we're not BMW. What? But we're still a luxury sedan, and we should be taken seriously. And I do think that this is a market. That might kind of re rebuild that that stigma against Zans because everybody is buying SUVs now, obviously. So I think GM has kind of soured their taste on that because they've done it to themselves. Because they try they right. tried and, the I don't mean to interrupt you, I'm sorry. Um they tried the G eight, 
The G8, well, obviously Cadillac failed, not by its own problem, but in general, it failed. And then they revamped that in the Holden slash Chevy SS, and it didn't sell because it was too expensive. And it's like every time GM has tried to make a nice, like, sedan for them, for Chevrolet, uh, it's failed. Like, think- Right, because... Because it was plagued with some other reason. Exactly. The G eight the G eight failed because the recession, first off. And second off well, G- because Pontiac Pontiac ended up getting the axe. And that was yeah, that was otherwise we can't save the car company because of the single car kind of thing. Well, it was- but they knew that that was a good opportunity. Yeah. So that's why they tried to resurrect it with the SS. But the fatal flaw with the SS is they didn't build it in the United States. They they could have if they really wanted to. And they also didn't market it. They could have if they really wanted to. So they kind of did it to themselves. And I agree with you on that point. Yeah. But it comes down to that same point. That price point, if it was more profitable, the SS would have survived and done very well, in my opinion. Well. If they would have marketed that as the Impala or or even the Malibu, like, put that name on it or give it a different name. That's fine with me. Give it the Caprice name like the police car had. Um, whatever you want to do, if they would have marketed it as such and made it more popular, because you think about it, when the SS was out, how many commercials did you see for it? Uh, never. Never, exactly. The only thing that connected the SS to Chevrolet was NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, and? Cool. Um, yeah, exactly. So that's why, and I think I've said this before, and this is where it circles back around with Camaro. The new Alpha platform is a really, really good platform. They build the CTSs, they build the S, the ATSs off of it, as well as the CT6, I believe, is on a form of it. I don't think it's Alpha directly, but it's definitely like very close relative, if not Alpha itself, mm-hmm. um, as well as the Camaro. It's all the same car. So, like, if you take the body panels off a Camaro, and you take the body panels off of an ATS, and you look in the engine bay, they're the same car. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, I think because there is a resurgence in this, like, more affordable, still luxury market, I think GM could possibly take a dive into it and build a more expensive sedan that could be badged as the Impala or if you want to really get crazy and kind of take the fight to Dodge, uh, call it the Chevelle. Um, I think that that would be somewhat successful in that class. Now, the reason that mixes with Camaro is it would give Camaro a reason to exist beyond itself. Because now you have a brand image, you have a brand name, you have something that your fans, your enthusiasts, as well as just random people who don't know much about Chevrolet's history can attach onto. Because now you've got these, you could get yourself a Chevy Cruze, and that's definitely a fine car for a college student or something like that. But if you're an adult, and you don't like SUVs, but you still want something that's professional, 
oh, look, here's this sedan that's handsomely designed while still carrying a Chevrolet badge so it's not expensive like Cadillac. I mean, even if you wanted to call it a Buick, call it the Regal or something, like maybe it doesn't have to necessarily carry the Chevrolet name. No, I think they would be better to do that, but... um... The only thing I'm worried about, and I've been looking at this for a long time, is that I think if the Corvette becomes its own brand, I think it's a start to an end of Chevrolet, per se. Because the reason why I've noticed this is that over the time recently, and I would say the last five to eight years, it's almost like GM's been liquidating uh, Chevrolet, in my opinion. Because what they've been doing is Chevrolet used to have a lot of sedans, obviously, right? Now you right. now you've got Cadillac that has all of their good ideas that have become Cadillacs. You have Buick that has gotten all of their CUV small SUVs. They've gotten them. You've got GM like Chevrolet down to a point that most of their good vehicles are trucks, full size SUVs, and that's about it. Besides the Camaro and the Corvette. I th- right, I, and they and they've slowly been killing their small stuff. Like you had the Volt and the Bolt. Now you have just the Bolt, or just the Bolt. Sorry, the Bolt is no more. You, you're only going to have this small electric, which, to my opinion, is okay. Where are they going to put that? I think it's going to become a Cadillac, like a electric Cadillac. You know what I mean? I th- well, if you remember, they tried that and it did not work well, very that, well. They also marketed it wrong because they put a two door Cadillac electric car that was way overpriced. And, right. and so if you bring it back in, or they might throw it at Buick because Buick is the staple for on it, for their small SUVs now because they do a much – like it's a much nicer – it's basically a cruise that's a nicer cruise. That's really what it is. Well, or, and, and that to me is why Chevrolet is doing what they're doing though yeah. is because they, they saw what they did in – 2002 to 2010 basically yeah. and why they had to kill some of the companies like well, think about well, it Pontiac, 2010 Pontiac. you had you had Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, Pontiac, Oldsmobile, uh Cadillac, Holden, Vauxhall, Opel like you had so many brands that otherwise used the same car because you had the Impala the Malibu, then you had the Regal, the LeSabre, and the Lucerne. You had the DTS, XTS, CTS, and you had... Did you say Saturn? Oh, and Saturn, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I completely forgot about them. They got the Astra yeah. and the the whatever the well, hell the Cobalt was. The, only, the biggest problem with all that was is that the end of Pontiac, Oldsmobile, and Saturn was political, though. Because to get the money for the bailout for the recession, that right. was, and, that and, was in the contract that they had to close right. those particular brands. And right, exactly. It's because it was it was the the it was basically the, cut the arm off to save the body. Basically, like cut, cut right. It was the amputation. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of sad to say that, but like that's really what they did. They like they were told 
okay, you can get this huge bailout that you'll never have to pay back, but you have to cut these brands. Because, right. Which was sad because at that point, like, we had just gotten the G8. We had just gotten, which you can still buy these, they're really rare, but they, we had just gotten the Solstice hardtop that was kind of cool, you know, from Pontiac. So you, you kind of kill Pontiac before they even got going again. Um, right. Oldsmobile really didn't have anything. Let's just be honest. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. no Sa- one's missing that Saturn, one. Saturn had their, what's a nice way to put this? Saturn had kind of cults. Like, there's people that were all about Saturn. Like, it was the Saturn experience. So Right, it's a cult following. Yeah, so Saturn, <laughs> people were upset. Um, But it's, yeah, like, I I think both of us could be right. Both of us could be wrong Um, on this whole, like, subject of just what GM's going to do and where is everything. But I just really think that the C8 has completely changed the whole, oh, the yeah. whole market. Like, there's, you're, like, but my question to you, Sam. Mm-hmm. If the MR2 slash Subaru mid-engine four-cylinder turbo, whatever it's going to be, if it becomes a thing, do you think GM's going to react? With a new Fiero? <laughs> well, with with um, something more affordable, because... I, I don't think... The MR2 was very polarizing anyway, well, like even in, it, in its old style. I don't think there is a car in – I don't think there's a place for a car in GM's lineup. I just don't think it's their MO. Mm-hmm. I don't think – like manufacturers don't produce cars simply because another car got well, produced that's got this weird thing to it. What? That's why the Fiero failed is because they tried to do that, and it, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't – want to say they won't make something that is kind of a reaction to it but do i think i'm gonna get a four-cylinder turbo mid-engine sports coupe no i don't think gm will ever do something like that the one thing i'm curious about is let's let's look at this a different angle if they kill the camaro off right say it doesn't Mm -hmm. it doesn't get revamped it doesn't okay like they did back in what was it 2004 it was the last two thousand two. Was the, which I mean that's technically true, but that's technically not because two thousand two was the last year of the Camaro. Two thousand three, they didn't have anything because they were working on the new Vet. Two thousand four, they brought out the GTO, ran that for three years. Two thousand seven, they didn't have anything. Two thousand eight, and when I say they don't have anything, I just mean like a V eight sports coupe. Because they had all the the Corbin. Impala SS and the Cobalt SS, which you also had the Pontiac and the Saturn equivalents to those vehicles. Um, don't ever sleep on a Pontiac Grand Prix <laughs> GXP. Oh, all I'm going to say. Front-wheel drive, 5.3 liter beast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, it never really ended. It just didn't carry yeah. a Chevrolet name. I just so like my question is is like I think if they do end up making let's say a, a mid-engine Camaro, let's just say it's going to happen, right? I think okay. I think it'll be by surprise. I think it could possibly 
maybe let's let's twist this a different way. Let's say Corvette at this point has split off, right? So say right. I think personally you'll just see a rebadged uh I don't know the technical name of it, but you know the seat the uh Cadillac that's the SUV that has six hundred and fifty horsepower. I think you might see a rebadged one of those that'll come into the court as the SUV. A Cadillac that's got six hundred and fifty horsepower. You didn't know this? Cadillac's got an SUV coming next year. It's got 650 horsepower. It's got the LT4. Oh, are you talking about the uh, XT6? XT5, I think it is. Yeah, I don't think that was actually a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. Like it's gonna like be- I really, I really hope I'm wrong. No, no, it's, that's awesome. It's 100% a thing because they had a whole uh, GM put out a whole poster and everything for it. Like it was like it's an actual thing. It's not. It, it's like a. It's basically like a Hellcat. Uh, whatever track hawk, that's really what it is. It's just like I mean, and it makes sense to me because it's going to fit on the same platform. I just I, I I raise major questions because the XT5, or if it's the XT6, which is um, the XT5 is the new Equinox, the XT6 is the new Traverse. Yeah, I think. Both of those cars are front-wheel drive, all-wheel drive. Yeah, it's going to be... I mean, I heard the rumor it was going to be all-wheel drive. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. But how are you going to stuff a big V8 in a front-wheel drive platform? I mean, I mean they make it It's work. not something that GM hasn't had, has done before. But, but... Um, okay, well, let's just say that's a question mark if they come out with that. I think that's what it'll be. Is like They'll just rebadge it. Even if they... Okay, let's say this was an idea that got shelved. Well, at least you have the idea, and you have the probably some of the engineering done. You mm-hmm. bring that to Corvette. Okay, Corvette SUV guys, crazy horsepower. It's cool. All of this. Okay, let's say the Corvette brand is trying to build their lineup, right? And mm-hmm. we're going to make repertoire. yeah, we're going to make a entry level uh, mid-engine car because let's say the C9's here and the C9's price is raised to $70,000 because realistically unfortunately people the hard truth is going to be is that the c is going to be probably the cheapest mid-engine car ever and they're going to start working people up from there okay oh yeah I can I can afford the extra twenty five grand this year you know what I mean that's basically how they're going to do it is that they're going to work people mm-hmm. up they're going to make a better car because it's going to be a nicer car when the price goes up obviously right but this happens so now you got to have a filler what if they bring the camaro name back what if they just drop it in there you know what i mean and just make it part of it kind of pull a gmc hummer kind yeah, of situation. Kinda, like because it would kind of <laughs> make sense because the camaro has really always been the the baby brother you know what i mean so right and at that point like we have the reason why I do actually agree with your theory that the fact that Corvette is going to split off because we've already been talked about this I think a little bit on the podcast is that in the next five to ten years you're going to see a lot of these random cars that are like in the model changes they're all going to kind of disappear they're going to do what Ford did they got rid of all sedans it's just SUVs and trucks you're going to see those disappear besides so you're just going to have trucks and SUVs in your lineup and you're going to still have these specialty vehicles because the manufacturers can say whatever they want. They make a lot of money on their specialty vehicles because people buy them, a lot of them. They buy as many right. as they make. And so it's like right now in the market, 
like the whole crazy COVID market, it hit so hard, but the in the used market, especially the specialty vehicles, like the cool vehicles, like Corvettes and everything, they haven't been affected by it because right. they're that. Which is annoying because I need that market to come down. Calm down. <laughs> give it, just give it another year. C- I know, C- I know. The only reason the C7 is holding its value is because dealers can sell them for that. Once dealers can't be can't sell them for that price, which is, if anybody wants to ever, I would say the worst car to ever sell is a C7 Corvette because dealers want top dollar, but they're not worth top dollar. And that's just, but they're not willing to budge. And that's like everybody I've ever talked to that has tried to buy a C7 for any type of company for like a rental. They say it's mm-hmm. the hardest car ever to find because everybody wants top dollar and it's not worth it. So I it's gonna be strange times of what we what we see next. I mean, I kind of agree. I do think the Camaro is gonna die shortly just because it's a classic GM move to kill it off and then bring it back. But as it comes, right. as it comes back, who what who do we know? What is it gonna be? I mean, it, it could be a transaxle front engine. Like, it could be basically a C7 Corvette. Well, I could definitely see that being a thing. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of the point I was making is I almost feel like it's going to fill the shoes that are left off by the C7. Yeah. Not necessarily in price range, but definitely in in spirit as well as in design. Like, it's almost going to be just a modernized c7 well actually um, that would make more sense because it would act, it'd be more similar to the nascar so they could spin it that way right and that's kind of my thought like i'm 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 not thinking that corvette or at chevrolet is ready to kill the camaro yet and they understand that the numbers are dwindling not because the car isn't important anymore but because it's just it's old it, it's it's got quite a few years on it now so the the lust for it is lowering yep now given putting that almost god awful hideous nose on it didn't help it only lasted um, a year calm down i i know and they realized it. oh crap we got to fix this um but even then it was at that point it was putting band-aid on an open wound it it, it the damage was already done as far as its reputation. So I think they realize, okay, we need to go ahead and revamp this thing. Mm-hmm. Brand new, new model. It'll be 2022 that we'll probably start seeing the more recognizable spy shot cars with a 2023 release. Well, take. It's just, I don't know. I'm just interested to see where it goes. Um, I still think, I still think it has a potential future to be at some point a mid-engine car, like an entry-level Corvette. It's possible, um, but let's just be honest. If I tried to guess everything that GM was gonna do, I would be wrong almost every time. They right, they, yeah. They, we 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 could spend ten hours on that alone and still be wrong. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> like I'm GM is the number one car manufacturer that will do everything that you think it's not going to do. But they're still around, so we can't 
Can't be upset about that. So what you're saying is they haven't made some real great decisions. <laughs> well, okay, um, let's look at let's look at the let's just look at a C6 Corvette versus a C5 Corvette. It looks better, and see it on the inside, and you realize that it, it turned into a a hard plastic shell on everything. Yep. And yep. yeah, that and that was so sad because it's like, how did you make a better looking car feel worse? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, how did you make a car look older? Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's stuff like that. I mean, and I get it, people. Oh, it was the times. Everybody did that. It's like, yeah, but your sports car shouldn't have felt like a an entry-level car. You know what I mean? Right. But um, it's just, I don't know. Like, I'm excited. I do think I agree with you. I think the lust for the Camaro has kind of died just because they've kind of had the status quo. Even though, yes, you have the alpha platform upgrade and everything, but it's like you've had the same kind of style, look, idea car since 2000, what was it, 10? Yeah, that retro design, which I can definitely see the next Camaro abandoning that as well. Like they're, It's going to be kind of what the Mustang did where they're going to completely get away from that retro design and do something different, like just completely, almost like C or C four, um, generation four F body, yeah. where it looked completely different than anything else that Camaro has ever been. And I'm not upset with that. I, I as much as I loved my sixth gen, as much as I loved my fourth gen, I would like to see something different. I would like to see the Camaro become the international sports car, just like the Corvette has become the international supercar or is becoming the international supercar. So, you know, um, you know what it's called on their, uh, the website hmm. it's included with the Camaro and it's called the performance lineup. It doesn't have a technical name. And I think it's funny that they haven't labeled it a supercar because I think they're scared to almost is for the Corvette. Yeah. I think because if you add a supercar nameplate to it, now it, they expect more than it's willing to give. Right. And I just, the biggest thing I want everybody, any of people that have a big opinion about it, is I want you to remember that this is a mid-engine car for under $60,000. So... You need to put that in consideration because a lot of people are very harsh on this car because of the small quirks it has. Like, there's some pictures that came out. You, I'm sure you saw, like, the dashboards, the glue came off. And so it made, yeah, it, it, made it weird. Stitching, yeah, the it's, stitching's not straight. Plastic's it, got straight. It's a first-year car. A radical design. It happens. You know, and... Let's just be honest, if you would buy a Ferrari and it would have had the stitching that wasn't straight, nobody would have heard about it because you would have went to the dealership and the dealership would have handled it. It's just because right. there was no negative about this car that er somebody had to find something wrong with it. Right. And so that's just so. that's just my two cents. Like I'm, It was kind of not part of it, but at the same time, I just want people to realize that. <laughs> Not what we're talking about, but hey, by the way. <laughs> I mean, you gotta agree, so. you gotta agree with that. 
No, I, I agree with you completely. It's just because... I do think that some of the things that people complain about are simply because they have nothing else to complain about. Exactly. It's like... Like, I want... I'd honestly, like, wish that you could go and rent one, like, easily. You know, like, from a GM dealer for, like, a day. You know, like, mm-hmm. make every dealer have to have a C8 Corvette to rent just to try and complain about it. You know what I mean? Like, like drive that for a day and don't tell me you won't have fun. You know? That's just right. my opinion. Like, and if you don't, you're just so miserable that you just need to go away anyway. Exactly. <laughs> but, all right. Uh, do you want to go ahead and transition into our next topic? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a good stopping point because we 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 uh, we touched base. We on made everything. our points. Yep. Um. So yeah, the other topic, like I said, is the the Japanese industry and how these floods of import cars are coming over and what it is doing to the market what it's going to do to the market and is it going to continue so all japanese um, car people are very mad at us (laughs) yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna upset some people i'm gonna say that and this is coming from a guy who as you know has a 240 like i like the japanese car market one of my dream cars practical dream cars i guess you could say is a r33 gtr um i I own a 240SX as well, so I'm in that. Yeah. So it's like we're not speaking just to be like, oh, we're a bunch of muscle guys. They're like, oh, screw the imports. It, But I I both love and hate that this, this law exists um, simply because it allows the cool stuff to come over, but it also – it's going to kind of sound silly, but it also allows the stu- – the, the stuff to come over and and it it it, it almost uh, waters it down for me. I think the biggest issue with this whole thing is how long it was, and the reason why I say this is because we have a great neighbor. For an example, Canada is fifteen years importation law. And their prices are nowhere near our prices at all because they've had mm-hmm. a, they've had another ten years to make it all even out. Also, because the cars were newer, they cost more originally and like in the fifteen year, and they depreciated. Which the U.S. market has taken these vehicles, and they do nothing but gain money gain right they have not gone down and i'll go ahead and let you talk some because i've got some interesting points i just don't want to take over the conversation (laughs) yeah so so the way i look at it is the import market or the gray market if you want to call it that is kind of a curse and a blessing it is really really cool that we are now getting the opportunity to bring over these dream cars that we did not get here in the United States as long as they're 25 years old or older. So being that it is 2020, anything that was made from 1995 or older is allowed to be brought over for anyone who's not familiar with what this law we're talking about is. Um, And it's down to the month too. So like anything from May of 1995 can be brought over. And Uh, and this is the... Go ahead, sorry. And importers are so desperate to get these cars and that they'll ship them before just so they land on the month that they're legal. Yeah, so they like they've got 
all kinds of cars that are in shipping containers and and storage units and stuff like that that are not legally allowed to be sold for like another year or two that are just on hold just because they want to make sure that they have them here once they're legal. So that's how, of course, as you know, the GTRs are coming over the the R line, Nissan Skylines, uh, your 32s. Now your 33s are starting to come over, which makes me happy because I want a 33. But we can't talk about the Japanese imports without talking about the elephant in the room, and that is the R34. Because the R34 is interesting. Whenever the United States wrote the legislation uh, a couple years back that basically banned the ability of importing vehicles, period, um, the only car that was called out specifically was the Nissan R34 because it was just so pointed out. And, and, and Fast and Furious culture helped that as as Fast and Furious culture helped the R34 in general. Well, um I think the biggest thing that I didn't know if you know this, I'll just add this into your conversation real quick, is that originally, I think it was in the early 2000s, a company in Texas got busted huge because they were. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were bringing in R34s and they were technically making them road legal, which the U.S. government thought they were road legal, but they actually weren't doing anything. Because what they were saying they were doing is, oh, we're updating the airbag systems. We are updating the crash systems, you know? And they weren't doing anything, and so that was a big no-no, and it was a big deal. <laughs> right, right, yeah, and and that's why, like, um, we had a friend, I, you remember him, Brock, um, Dameron? Yeah, I know exactly who you're Okay, about. yeah, and I don't, I don't want to give too much of his story because oh, I haven't with, talked to him the, in a while, blue, and I don't want to put him... With the blue R34, yeah, with, right? Right, yeah, so yeah. the story behind that car is it was one of the original 17 or whatever of the particular company that Brock's talking about that got busted. They got those cars here legal and documented. So there's only 17 in the United States. I think there's 14 now or 13 now because a couple of them have been crashed, whatever. That car, and I never got a true price tag, Because, I mean, one, it's kind of inappropriate to ask a man how much his car costs. But he traded a C6 ZR1, a CTSV, and I think some cash for that car from a local dealership in Hickory. Cosmo. I I saw it. I was a little boy and had just finished Fast and the Furious when I saw it in Cosmo's showroom. Right, exactly. So... That's that's a lot of money for that car. Yep. And that's let's just say it was a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, like let's just give it a nice round number. I'm sure it was probably more than that, but let's just give it a hundred thousand dollar price tag. Call it a day. That's not a hundred thousand dollar car. Nope. Sorry. Nope. And I can't wait to see what happens to the market, to the Japanese market, I guess you could say, when 2025 hits. And 2,000-year model Nissan Skyline R34s are allowed to come over. Because at that point, the 25-year law says, yeah, they're allowed to come. But the no-import law says that the R34 is not allowed to be titled in the United States. So which piece of legislation holds precedent? Which one is the the, the more powerful one? Well, And then on top of that, 
now that you can get R34s in in the United States, are they going to have the same price tag as the other ones? Or are they going to do like the Supras are doing, where, yeah, you could buy a U.S. spec Supra for 60 grand, 70 grand, or you could import one from the U.K. or Australia or Japan in a right-hand drive configuration for almost half that. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the 34 does. And I do think that the Japanese import market and the 25-year market might kind of fall apart when the 34s get here. Because, oh, whoop-de-doo, all the 34s are here. And you've got this big lust for this car that now you can have. And poof, now you've got a whole bunch of them here. And no one cares because it's going to wear off so quickly that, oh, yeah, there's five R34s at Cars and Coffee now. Well, the biggest thing is right now there's a there's a little law that was passed, I think it was like two years ago, that was collector cars law. And so basically, it, like that's a rudimentary name. They had a very, very well-known name. But – Basically, what it allowed you to do is if there was a certain model run that was a certain little amount of cars, uh, you couldn't bring these any. You can bring those cars over to the United States as a collector car to be put in museums to be shown. So, like the pop most popular one is actually the twenty two B Impreza's, the two doors, Mm -hmm. because they weren't legal and uh, they go for about 100 to 150 grand a pop for a good condition one. So they just keep bringing those over because they only made, I think, 500 or something like that of those. But the right, big, the they were other, a homologation special. Yeah, the one that is interesting is if anybody watches YouTube, they know that uh, Adam LZ has an R34. It's because his is a R34 GTR V-Spec Midnight Purple 2. And that is a very rare color, and it is considered a homologated rare car. So that is allowed to be over here. So there is a handful of those, and he paid well over, I would say, I think he would have paid it almost $200,000 for that car. That's just my opinion. Right. Um, just because of how, like, they're rare in Japan, first off. So they're even more expensive when you're trying to get them. And it's just... I agree with you. I am. Let's just go ahead and back this up. So, the if you go went back to when the R thirty two became first legal, uh, you were looking at let's say four doors went for seven to ten grand. Um, four door turbos went for eight to twelve. Two door turbos went for about ten to fifteen. And four-wheel drive two-doors went from about 12 to 18, depending. R34 GT or R32 GTRs went from between 19 grand to 25. And if you wanted a perfect condition, 89, all original, like less than 30,000 miles, everything was redone. You paid 30 grand. So this was back gosh five years ago now i guess it's it's been a while since these have been allowed over. right because the, the 89s would have the 89s would have hit shores in 2014 yep so 
and and like honestly, it's not exciting to see one because I've seen so many of them now. Um, but now I just don't understand it. It's five years later, and the fact that the prices have grown. Um, you can't touch a R32 GTR for anything less between 22 to 30 grand now. And if it's a perfect condition car, it is usually about 40 grand now, which makes absolutely no sense. Um, the right. reason why is because they're harder to find. Japan is actually a lot of companies are refusing to sell to importers because they have re- we have risen the price of their cars so much that it is an inflation on their market and it is infuriating the people. Um, but the one thing that I think is interesting is that the really random cars like the Beats and the Cappuccinos and stuff like that, they haven't really been affected. They're still really cheap. You can get those for less than 10 grand. Um, but what hasn't really been affected at all is the S chassis. Nobody went crazy over the 180s, uh, maybe like the first two years. But now they're all of them are less than fifteen grand, unless you want like a perfect condition uh, Sylvia K S fourteen. I think they're like right. twenty grand now. I think that's where they're floating around. Like, but when I mean perfect, like spotless for twenty grand. Yeah, um, and 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 that kind of plays into my point. Yeah, is I think the Japanese market is popular because of the skylines. Yeah. I agree. Otherwise, otherwise, people wouldn't really pay attention to that stuff. Now, I, I do know that people are bringing over the cappuccinos and the this is the the little key cars and the little bit different things. You know, it's as really, well as like the Land Cruisers yep, and stuff from say. Germany, and that's fine. But if you look at the numbers of all of the other cars that are being brought over it's versus Skylines. versus Skylines, it's Skylines. I mean, probably five to one. And I think once the 34 becomes legal, everyone's going to stop caring because the fad will wear off. It's like, it's like I'm looking right here right now. This is ridiculous to me. So like a 95 R33 GTR that's in okay conditions, $33,000. You look at a perfect one, it is $75,000. Why are we paying... $75,000 Seventy-five thousand dollars for a nineteen ninety-five car that is technically slower than almost anything you buy nowadays. If you look at right. the like the performance, not around right. the corner, like a straight line performance, it's just it's insane. Because personally, me before the R thirty two became over, I wanted an R thirty two GTR because if nobody's ever looked underneath a R thirty two R chassis, it is literally a two forty. Like, it, it literally basically is. It's an all-wheel drive. Like, there's a small difference in the rear subframe because of the high system and everything. And there's a small difference in the front because of it's a much bigger motor that is up there. But it's essentially a nicer 240. That is literally what it is. So, mm-hmm. I've always wanted an R32 GTR, like, not because it's the cool thing to get. is because I just... Like the way they look, it is literally a nicer 240. So, like to me, it'd be an upgrade for a streetcar because my 240 is no longer a streetcar ever, and it will never be again. Um, so, but I can't bring myself to pay Corvette money for it. That, that right, that's, it, like that's my opinion. Like Corvette money, like I can get a C6 Z06 for the price of an R30 GTR, and that's insane. 
and it's 20 years older. <laughs> yeah. And now another car to that is going to impact is the S15. Is where is that what is that going to do to our because the S15 is the unicorn of the S chassis because it wasn't allowed here. So once the S15 comes over, do you think it's going to hurt the R chassis, the price? I think it is. Uh, I don't honestly honestly I think the industry is starting to lose interest in the 240 tax in general anyway. I hope so. And I think, yeah, right. <laughs> um, I think that that lust is starting to wear off because now the, well, why am I going to buy a 240 when I can buy a Skyline kind of a thing? Mm-hmm. And when the 15 comes over, I think the people who really want a 15 will get one. I know I'm going to try and get one. I have. But the people who just want a Japanese sports car aren't going to buy an S15. They might buy an S15 because that's all they can afford. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't see it fetching the money the Skylines are getting and I don't see it affecting the 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 iPhone user crazy day of launch lust that people are going to have for the 34 when they finally become legal. I think I I'm I am honestly super excited for the 34 to come over because I think it's going to soften the 32 and the 33 market a lot because yes. And that would be perfect timing for me to pick up my 33 that I want to get because everybody's going to be like, because let's just be honest, a base R33 looks horrible. A base R32 looks okay. A base R34 still looks good. Like in general, like in honestly, if, if I, if I had, if I had three hundred thousand dollars, you know what I'd be doing right now? I would be picking up uh, GTST R thirty fours and putting R thirty two body kits on them, or R three or R thirty four GTR body kits. Sorry, that's what I'd be doing. I'd mm-hmm. be five of them and make them into R because you could sell those probably for thirty five grand a pop, and they're and you have maybe twenty grand in them. You know what I mean? Because it looks right. like a it looks like a GTR, but it's not. You know what I mean? That would be the way to do it. But I'm about to say something that you're never going to ever hear me say about any other car again. I'm I've always wanted an S15 because, like I said, it's like a like I was saying about the R32. It's like it's the S15 is the ultimate 240. It is the nice version of it. It looks good. It nice interior. You know, it's modern. Right. I am prepared to buy a automatic naturally aspirated. SR20 or SR20E uh, or DE S15 because I will never pay the price that they are about to bring for anything above that. Because if I can get one for less than $15,000 that's in really good condition, that is completely fine with me. That is what I want. I, right. I, and it, I, and it I, would still be a good daily. It would be I, a good. I want one to daily slash have ready to do something with. That is my plan because I would like to either put a like sacrilegious to say this, but I I think it'd be awesome to have an LS S15 just to drive around. Um, Mm -hmm. Either that or do go all out and do something like a one JZ with us. And it's just like to me, I want the car. I don't care about the motor, you know, right? 
but it's just because you know how I am. I'm an anti-automatic person at heart, so it takes a lot. Like, I must really want a car to say that, you know? Right. Sorry, someone's pulling in my my neighborhood, so I'm kind of keep an eye out. Um, yeah, no, and, and I I kind of agree. At the same time, I mean, I drive an automatic 240 right now, and yep. People make fun of me like, oh, it's an automatic. I'm like, nah, dude, I drive 45 minutes to work every day. This is my daily. It is fine. I bet your gas mileage it's is actually pretty good, though. 25 miles to the gallon with exactly. the AC. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's a 240, and yeah, I get people. They give me the thumbs up in the, oh, the, the gas fix, stations. Did you fix your AC? Yeah, I got it fixed. Did you use Mike's uh, compressor? Yup. <laughs> I, bet, I, bet, I bet that's all it was. Yep. But yeah, that's all it needed. I would tell you one thing. Um, there's a guy in Florida that had a S15, um, like the spec, like basically the base spec, you know, but it mm-hmm. had a manual, uh, nationally aspirated SR, and he was like, "That was the best daily I've ever had. It was so comfortable, and it got really good gas mileage, and it was fun to drive." So yeah, I was like, like, "It's like, it's like I want one. That's like all I want. Like nothing fancy, you know." But the problem I'm worried about is that I think those cars are going to bring 20 grand, like even that, you know what I mean? And I just can't bring myself to spend that much on it. Like not because I couldn't afford it, because if I really wanted it, I could, you know? Right. It's just like what we're trying to get at people really is that these prices are ridiculous. There's no reason that these 25 year old cars could cost that much. Um, the biggest reason why is because it's just the hype. Like there's every, there's always that young kid that, uh, his parents are willing to finance a skyline. And so it, it, but at the same time, thank God there's just people like that because it keeps our market going. It keeps the importers wanting to bring in these cars, you know, but I think we're going to do the same thing Canada did. And if you guys didn't know, uh, all of Canada that has all these cars um their prices are really low in comparison to their uh canadian spec uh counterparts like their rx7s for example are like ridiculously cheap in comparison to a left like a left-hand drive canadian based rx7 uh super cheap you can get a right-hand drive one cheap as hell it's easy to find um the, there is a lot more like skylines in general that have been brought in up there that mm-hmm. because but a lot of people just hold on to them you don't really see them in the market that much uh compared to down here you can go on craigslist right now and find them if you're looking hard enough um i think the underdog though that is expensive and they don't bring that many in that i wish they bring more is the evo fives and evo sixes that are really they're I, I think is the evo 5 officially legal i forgot what year the the first one was let me look it up real um quick. i think it is if not it's like just getting ready to be yeah like but, but to me like those cars are so cool like looking and they sound good and they make good power and like i think those cars are like but the but the young kids don't know about those cars that's the sad part yeah, because Paul Walker didn't drive one in Fast and the Furious. Yeah, and uh, okay, yep, ninety five. So it's it's legal this year. Um, that's kind of cool. We're gonna get to see him finally. 
Yeah, and and that, I guess that's kind of like to to sum up my whole thought is because of the hype that you said for the R chassis stuff, the Skylines, yep. and just some of the basic like go to JDM sports cars: Supra, RX Seven, NSX, Honda slash Integra, um, like like that stuff. Like that's the obvious. I'm a car guy, I'm going to get this car kind of a thing. Yeah, but man. I think once the Skyline fad finally wears off, if it does, I mean, maybe it'll just sustain itself forever and yeah. ever and ever. Um, but once that fad kind of wears off, I feel like the Japanese car market's going to die. Like, it's going to be... Not die, like it's just not going to exist anymore. But it's just going to kind of fizzle out. Like, well, it's, you, it's... You know what's interesting to me? Nine hmm. times out of ten, people that buy their Skyline directly from their importer always sell it. Like, if you notice, like, I don't, I know of at least, like, probably ten to twelve friends that have bought Skylines, like, in general, or have bought a right-hand drive vehicle, and none of them own the original one they bought. Like, mm-hmm. that, that to me, and the other thing that is a good, uh, basically, fact to bring up is that... People, if you're looking for a right-hand drive anything, please, please ask for paperwork. There's too many people buying these junk wreck cars for way over what they should be because they're not asking for any of the vehicle history. And in Japan, there's an auction history is what they call it, which it has basically – it's how many times it's been to for sale per se and how many times – and what the inspection revealed – but there's a lot of cars that are really low ratings that people have bought and had no idea. Like total cars, you know, like salvaged, we would call them, and right. they paid top dollar for them because it's so lo- like the whole importation is so loose as far as like regulations and everything now. It's it's like for selling them is people are getting away with it like. They're buying GTRs that wouldn't bring ten grand to Japan, and they're reselling them for thirty. Mm-hmm. You know, and people don't have any idea until they put it on a lift and they look up and they go, "Holy crap! This frame rail's destroyed. It's been replaced." You know what I mean? And it's like, "Oh yeah, I paid thirty thousand dollars for this destroyed, but GTR." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just the only reason why I'm saying that is that I was reading. A few people's articles that they put up that they have bought multiple vehicles from multiple different companies and they've had these issues now and it's becoming more apparent because it's harder to find these cars right so yeah you just gotta be careful um i think the japanese car market i hope it keeps going but i don't know i think you're right i think it's gonna eventually die out just because people are selling them like i like right now i can probably go on facebook and i can look up uh skyline and i guarantee you there's more than one for sale um, right, it's just. I think we gotta wait and see. Um, I think the best thing ever is gonna be when the R thirty two comes in or R thirty four comes in. Sorry, it's over. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's gonna have that really big rush, and then it's yep. just gonna completely fizzle out. Yep, probably by twenty thirty, probably. Dude, so I typed in Skyline on uh, on the Facebook Marketplace. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Yep, there's way over twenty. 
So, Jesus. Yeah, there's a lot, and it's between and like this is crazy. Like, okay, R32, 92, 29 grand, 25 grand, uh. 21 grand for a oh, actually it's a, it's a gtst but it's a 33 it looks pretty good but uh regardless it's just ridiculous the prices like i just can't fathom paying thirty thousand dollars for a car that i could you could pick up for 19 you know back five years ago and i will tell you everybody one thing if you're looking at an r32 look at if you're willing to spend, like if you had the cash to spend twenty to thirty grand, start looking at two forties. Look at the nice two forty you can get for fifteen grand that somebody has gone through and it has an LS in it and it's really fun to drive. I'll that, sell you a clean slate if you're interested. Oh, I, I know, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, like there's there's a lot of built two forties that okay, there's a lot of ragged built 240s when i say that it's just like people didn't know what they were doing they just threw them together but like these some of these that are professionally done either at home or in a shop that are for sale randomly like with crazy engine swaps like that's the way to go have fun with a a 2jz swap like s14 or s13 and and you spent half you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's just that's my two cents and I, I hope that a couple people will be highlighted by this and not spend the ridiculous amounts of money that people want for their cars because they're not worth it. Just wait, give yourself another five years, then buy your dream legend and you'll pay half of what you were going to pay. Yep. But I think that's about wraps it up, don't you think so, Sam? Yeah. Um, you sound a just little tired do... over there. Yeah, it's been a long day. Um I was scrolling through Facebook, too. I just found this really cool, funny thing that I just want to share with you real quick. Get your opinion on it. There is a C10 conversion for Scion XBs and Nissan Cubes. No way. Yes. I will send this to you. I want one. I don't want to admit that I want one. I'm looking at it. I want one. (laughs) It's so cool. I'm looking at it because you, you must have reposted it on the... Oh, did I, did I share it? I just shared yeah. it again, so I just shared ah, it twice now. That's crazy. That's so cool. So, um, but yeah, no, I I, I, uh, I guess to, to finalize my words, um, I think, in a way, I guess I think the, the Japanese import market is kind of overhyped anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't think these cars are as good as people think they are because they have an unrealistic idea of what perfection is. But I do think these cars deserve to come over, and I would love to own every single one of them. But I don't – I agree with you. I don't think they're worth what they're worth. I think a really clean S15 should be the same price as a really clean – early 2000s Camaro. I think a really clean R34 should be the same price as a really clean C5 Corvette. I think a really clean whatever should be the same as like a Land Cruiser. We'll say a Land Cruiser should be the same price as a Tahoe. I think a Toyota Century 
should be or a Supra should be the same as whatever. I mean, find an American or not American like manu American manufacturer, but American sold vehicle that's in the similar age and quality. And that's what it should be priced at. It shouldn't be $30,000 for a 92 Skyline whatever. It's it's just a bit ridiculous. I think, I think if I had to price what I – I guess what the price of an R32 GTR was going to be in five years, I didn't think it was going to go up. I thought it was going to be 15 to 20 grand. That was just my, my theory because once the hype got off, Boy, was I wrong. I'll tell you that. But that's what I wanted. That's what I was planning on buying at this point and not a C5 Corvette. Right. But, you know, a C5 Corvette for 9500 bucks is a much better option at that point. Exactly. You know who I do feel bad about? I don't really feel bad about, but they're going to be hurting, hurting, hurting the worst. Who? The people who bought legal... Skylines. Oh, yeah. Like, like uh, 34s, like Dameron's. And like it was a blessing that he sold his when he did. Because as cool as that car was, and I wish he would have kept it forever, getting out of that car before they start coming over, because as soon as they start coming over, the prices for the legal ones are going to plummet. Well, if, uh, a lot of, if listeners don't know this, there's a lot of companies that are already hoarding 34s in lots in shipping containers in everything in Japan just mm -hmm. ready for this market to open and they are going to go for a lot of money for the first six months and then not <laughs> that's just my theory I think it's gonna I think the 30 the GTRs are gonna keep their price super hard mm -hmm. and gonna be around 50 to 60. It'd be my guess, and then you're gonna have your V specs at like a hundred grand. But I think you're gonna see the GTSTs and stuff like that go for like twenty five to thirty five, and then just plummet after that. Yep. Because everybody's gonna be like, "Wow, this is a isn't great. <laughs> this, right. isn't, this isn't worth uh, a brand new Corolla hot hatch." You know what I mean? Like turbo three cylinder. They've confirmed this week. If anybody wanted to know that, because we talked about it. But I mean, yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm low key kind of really interested about that Corolla. I want to see. Obviously, wanna, I'm gonna see what wanna, it is when it I gets here. But one. I want to ride. I want to see what that little like that. If there's any torque steer, I want to see if it's as good as like a Focus as like RS. You know what I mean? Or like a Type right. R. But yeah, well. I think those are good closing words. Um, we are definitely going to try and do another show before the end of the week, uh, before Sunday. I think is a good goal. Yeah, um, I think if we if we do it either Friday night or Saturday night to post either Saturday or Sunday, yeah, that would be fine. ideal. Um, mm -hmm. I know Saturday during the day I am going to. Um, you remember Will, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go uh, look at a thing with him, so stay look tuned for... Thing. Yep, go look at a thing. Are you going to look uh, at a, a C6 C06? No, 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 not for me. Oh, for him? Yeah, he's he's looking and possibly getting into something, so... What it, what it will have before? I forgot. 
uh, Focus ST. Oh, that guy. Okay. Yeah. Now, now I, I thought that was him, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Um, yeah. is it? Can you tell me what brand? Um, for the sake and safety of his wife not murdering him, I'm going to keep all details as a secret until decisions are made. <laughs> Well, you can, you can, well, we can cut the podcast off. <laughs> right, not, I, I might, gonna... I might text, I might text you later. <laughs> okay. Well, um... but, but yeah. So other than that, um, obviously, right. as always, uh, give a shout out to us. Yeah, uh, send us a message. Tell us what you're thinking. Um, if you think we're completely stupid and the Japanese market's gonna live forever, I hope it does. Um, please, please tell us that we're stupid and wrong. Um, or if you agree with us, if you want to add some opinions or if you want to bring some insight to something that we might have said wrong, uh, by all means. We're also always taking recommendations and requests for what you might want to hear about. If you want to hear more about the little Scion XB things that I just found, by all means, let us know. Uh, we're always available on Torque Talk Radio on Instagram, Torque Talk Radio on Facebook. And, of course, our email, torquetalkradio at gmail.com. Anything else, Mr. Brack? No, sir. Just happy to be back. Yeah, definitely. I'm happy uh, school is uh, over for a couple weeks so we can focus on this and uh, get back at it. So, as always, everyone, we do appreciate it. I will, uh, at this point, say good night to you, Mr. Brock, and good night to everyone else. Good night. All right. And...